In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute you. you. Guys, we honor you today because you are grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. Our goal today and in every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to the absolute best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the mix master, the PhD of sound, Dr. Patrick George. Ooh, you put the Rick on it today. I did. Nice. I did. I did. How you doing, man? I'm stellar today. Thanks. Stellar. Getting ready to move the daughter down to yeah, Cali. Yeah, that's like, I'm fighting back the tears. So, so it's funny. So Cali, nobody says Cali who lives in California. Yeah. Because when I moved up to Oregon, everybody's like, Cali. I'm like, dude, what are you yeah, talking that's about? Yeah, definitely in Oregon. Clearly you're not from California because right. nobody says that, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Northern and, California, by the way. That's not even a state. <laughs> that that's Jefferson. Come on, buddy. Get with the program. <laughs> the know you're California. Okay. Hey, man, and I'm also here with my right-hand man, the backbone of the MCP, the producer and my buddy, Dale Culver. What's going on, dude? Dude, I'm just having a great time with the sunshine. Yeah, it's nice to get some vitamin D injection up here since oh, we've baby. had vitamin nothing for the last nine months. I haven't taken them for the last two days because I'm getting some outside in the... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you're, well, well, I don't want to hear about your sex life. Man, <laughs> come on now. Come oh, on now. my. You boys. <laughs> boys. If, that, if, I, if that's the case, I don't need any more vitamin D. So <laughs> I'll tell you what. So, okay, man. quit bragging. Oh, man. So, hey, you got a man word for us today? I do. Uh you want me just to throw it out there? There's no point. I'm going to guess. No, There's I'm going to no guess. Point, really. You haven't read the book okay. uh, by our guest, Kenny Luck, okay. but I'm going to go with the word dangerous. Did I get it? I was just like thinking, I'm, like, I'm two what for could three. I do? And I could. I'm you know two what? for three. Okay. I'll you know say, I nailed I'll it. I'll say. That's I'll, it. 
I'll save my word for the next podcast. It'll be dangerous. Though. No, come on. What's the word? <laughs> Choose the word. If I if this isn't a participation trophy, no, word, no, no, if I did not get it right, let me know. I'll give it to you. Is that the word? Can you grab that trophy off over there and hand it to That Jim? is not a participation trophy, I hate to tell <laughs> the you. The one behind your head. The That's deer. a dead little baby deer. So, <laughs> little baby elk. That was the word and while you were saying that, I'm like, okay, how could I use dangerous if I were to indeed use that? Because it could have a negative connotation, but it's dangerous good. So, well, I think this book does have a negative connotation for some males out there right. who read it. Right. So we're trying to turn males into men, and so when guys see this, I hope they get a little conflicted. Well, we right? are. When guys get it, um, they become dangerous in this world that is yeah. uh, mundane and uh, where guys are asleep. And so to those guys, you might find yourself not having certain friendships because you've decided to live dangerously and get out of the bleachers and in the game. Well, so so I love that. So in, in Kenny's book, he talks about men have a blast radius. There's a blast radius. Is our guest named Kenny? Kenny, yeah. Anyway, Kenny Luck. Anyway, I <laughs> called one of our podcast listeners who's in the military. He drives an AV vehicle, and they launch grenade. They have grenade guns, yeah. um, MK-19s, I think. Mm-hmm. And the grenade blast mm-hmm. radius is 15 meters. Oh, my God. So if this launches this thing, it blasts. And, and he's down yeah. in 29 Palms, Kenny. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about with men. When a man gets it, there is a radius that he changes his world, right? Yeah, and so good, that's what yeah. we say here, and that's what Kenny's saying in his book, and I'm super excited about that. And that Hey, guys. Think of the, yeah. the quote even, like, let them feel the weight of who you are and let them deal with it. John Eldridge, let yep. them feel the full weight of who you are and let them deal with it. They're yeah, it's not my problem. When you, boom, when you do what you're supposed to do, yeah. there's going to be a shockwave. I'm going to bring the heat. I'm going to bring the heavy weight. And of who I am, the best version, and that's how it's going to be. And if you don't like it, that's not on me. You need to deal with the full weight. And society can't handle the full weight of men right now. Churches can't even handle yeah. the full weight of men. And so that that's why, anyway, so we'll get into that more in the podcast because our guest has a lot to say on that. So, hey, I want to encourage our guys to go on the Men Arena Facebook forum. We are over uh, 9,000 guys in eight months, and that is a great forum for men who want to understand biblical masculinity, and we're excited to get that to 20,000 by December. So in one year, 20,000 men, not bad, and so really excited about that. But hey, I want to bring on our our guest today, uh, Kenny Luck, a new friend here. Kenny is 53 years old. He has been married to his wife, Chrissy, for 30 years. Uh, three children, Kara, 26, Ryan, 24, Jenna, 18, lives in Trabuco Canyon, California. <clears throat> Let me read a little bio here because this will give you uh, uh, insight into, into this guy. So Kenny Luck is the founder and president of Every Man Ministries, which helps churches develop healthy men's ministries with the goal of protecting women and children and ending social problems such as fatherlessness and child abuse, which goes along with our line, when a man gets it, everyone truly, truly wins. He's the leadership pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California. Prior to this, he served the men's pastor under Dr. Dr. Rick Warren, Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, from 97 to 2014. That's impressive. That's a good run. He's recognized as an expert on men's issues, which is why we called him to be on the show. He's also the author or co-author of 21 books. Now, I thought in your book it said 23 books. That's 23. Okay, so I so okay, so your your uh, press release was okay, yeah. So 23 books including Every Man, Every Young Man, and I want to buy this book and read it. Sleeping Giant, No Movement of God Without Men of God, and the book we're going to talk about today, Dangerous Good. He's also authored the Every Man series of Bible studies and the Sleeping Giant program of videos, Bible studies, and meetings. Kenny's uh, contributed to publications and websites, including the Christian Post, Charisma, 
Christian Mingle, Rick Warren's Ministry Toolbox, The New Man, Men of Integrity. He also uh, hosts Everyday Man Show on KKLA Radio in Los Angeles. How'd I do there, Kenny? Did I get close? You did pretty good. Yeah, you did pretty <laughs> okay. good. Thank you. Okay, I just uh, the I, I tried to read. I tend to read Sorry ahead for of all myself. That. Oh no, no, no! She this just is said he, she's he's Chrissy's husband. He's Chrissy's husband. That would have been more <laughs> fitting. Yeah, because, our wives will say like, "Where was I in that?" Right. <laughs> Where was I in yeah, that bio? Yeah, somewhere lost in the. And the minutiae. Well, the funny part is, we, you know, really the most important thing is you've been married 30 years. That's the thing that's the most impressive. Guys go, he must be yeah. an expert because he's been that's hanging right. on and, and thriving in his marriage. And that's really cool. So, okay, Kenny, what we're going to do today, man, is we are going to throw you right into what we call our rapid fire round. Awesome. So are you going to be ready to handle this? Let's do it. So what I've done, man, because I really want to focus on your book. I just finished the book this week. I'm really excited. I'm going to throw you into what I call the author's round. Got it. So here we go. And I didn't preface what you're going to be asked because you're going to be okay. able to handle it. So here right. we go. If your wife, Chrissy, wrote a book about her life being married to you, what would it be called? It would be called The Knucklehead Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fastest answer we've ever had. Boy, that came right out. That is really cool. That, and what, what? why? Because when I first got married to her, I was a boy. After working through a lot of painful stuff and looking in the mirror, and by the grace of God, I've become more of a man and uh, learned what it means to die to yourself. That's so good. It's, I appreciate having guys on the show with similar DNA because he's expressing that he was an adult child. And we say that all the time. That's so good, Kenny. Thank you so well, much. Well, the world's tired of 25-year-old, 12-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. A, ma a male or a boy in a man's body. So, man, and you grew up in San Jose, right? I did, NorCal. You, you went to Lindbrook. Well, that's. Well, I that, did. Is that Nor? I went to Santa Clara University. Yeah, my dad got his MBA there. We grew up in West San Jose, Cupertino, Saratoga. Oh, area. really? Oh, we probably yeah. know some of the same people, but we'll we do. save that for a later that's date. That's scary. That's yeah. scary. <laughs> hey, so what insecurities? I just finished a book called The Man Card. And so this, this really resonates with me, but what insecurities? surfaced in your life when you wrote Dangerous Good? Fear of failure. You know, you always, when you put yourself out there, uh, you invest a lot of time and energy. You say yes to a vision that God has for your life. And, you know, this is an 18-year journey. Dangerous Good is an 18-year journey of really making sure that the model is there, the integrity is there, uh, my own integrity, my own ministry, my own heart. And then to say, okay, God, now we're going for movement. Mm -hmm. And to put yourself out there. It's like being on the Red Sea Road. Yeah, yeah. No turning back. Well, and your book, you, your book is very bold because you're calling for a revolution. Yes. And you're naming it Dangerous Good. But guys like us, we're running men's ministries as well. And so we want to partner with your yes. revolution because we That's recognize right. that we can't have a revolution less all of us in men's That's ministries right. get on the same page with a kingdom right. focus. And so we're excited right. to join your revolution. Uh, our Men in the Arena Facebook page, I want to invite you to post on that whenever you want because right the movement starts with all of us and it ends, with, right. it ends with Jesus. So Matt's yep. excited. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, this is just in your own life. Do you have an all-time or a, a, a quote from somebody else that's resonating with you right now? Yeah. Um, my all-time quote from a Christian dude is Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott says that he is no fool, 
who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose, right? Yep, yep, yep. And so it just puts things into perspective that, you know, go balls out. Yeah, no, I agree, man. We are go all about it, that. You know? I, I And I haven't thought about that Jim Elliott quote in years, and that is really good. I have it memorized, but you just yeah. you kind of they disappear right now. So that's so good, man. I'm actually resonating. Yeah, the other with one, I have one more right now. It's in the front of that book by Edmund Burke. Yeah, it says, yeah. It says, "When bad men combine, the good must associate, lest we fall one by one." Uh, you know, in in a, a you know a pitiable sacrifice in a contemptible struggle. So my favorite yeah. Burke quote is, "Good evil prevails yeah, when good try. men do nothing." But you know the quote I'm really dwelling on right now. You can have a heart for God. Uh, don't. Uh, what is the quote? You can have a heart for God, but do you have a spine for God? That's right. And that's in your book. And I'm like, I know I that. Quote. I don't know where you got it, but I'm stealing it, baby. <laughs> well, the world doesn't need any more um, uh, affiliated Christian men. Yeah. The world needs activated Christian men. Well, a spine. But to be yeah. an activated Christian man, you need a spine. Yeah. Heart for God's useless without a spine for God. Well, and. A, a, a animal without a spine is a jellyfish, and That's a jellyfish right. serves a yeah. jello Jesus that they can fit into their Boom. mold. And we don't want a jello Jesus. So we want good. the man Jesus who named his three best buddies the Sons of Thunder and the Rock. And so, uh, like I said, I'm cheering you on with that quote. I'm, I actually am writing a book right now, a curriculum book, and it has daily entries. I'm actually going to take that quote and use that as one of the entries. Don't, I'll give you full credit, Kenny. Don't worry. So. Anyway, I appreciate that a lot. And then the last next quote is uh, next question is, what is a favorite book that you've read and why? Um, the book that changed two book. Well, I'm going to do the first one. The first one's called Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, because um, your life in God hinges on your view of God. Your life in God will never outperform your view of God. And that book mm. revolutionized my life. In, in college. The, the second book that radically changed my behavior as a believer was The Necessity of Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything Prayer, by Prayer, character, and conduct. And uh, it, it just talks about how we become, in, we become in life how we pray in private. Mm. Oh, that's so good. In fact, you quote him in your book. I do. You quote him in your book. That his book, his books on prayer are just life changing. Those are my two classics. All my kids have read those books. It's required reading for my kids because I just tell them your life in God will never outperform your view of God. You have to get God right. So knowledge of the holy uh, tells us, you know, a little bit about who God is, and then um, power, power through prayer, and the necessity of prayer by Ian e. Bounds are the classic works on prayer, and they're 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 digestible. Yeah. They're very digestible and straightforward. He was a he was a blue collar preacher, Ian Bounds, and man, he makes he makes praying so simple and so powerful. I've I'm looking at four or five of his books on prayer, and I was amazed at how a guy with such deep prayer life and and rich could write so simply that oh, we can understand so it. It was just so good, so good. So I'm gonna give, have a, to give our listeners the name of those two books again. Knowledge of the Holy by A. W. Tozer. And basically anything by Ian Brown Bounds. Yeah, the, the necessity of prayer by Ian Bounds. Oh, that's so good. Thanks for that great reminder. Hey, man, I don't know if you've done this yet, Kenny, but how would you title your autobiography? Mm. Um, out of the Slimy Pit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Yakinelli's messy spirituality. 
Yeah, that's my life verse. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock. Oh, man, that's, that's so, so good. good. That's Well, let's segue into the interview questions because I've read your book, and I know a part of your personal story, and I know your island background and your alcoholic yeah. uh, father and these types of things. But can you, in five minutes, just uh, tell us your story? It can be anything, personal life, things you enjoy, hobbies, anything else you like. Well, you know, I'm a Navy brat. That's a, That goes uh, speaks a lot into my DNA. Um, I was raised in a military family. My mom was uh, liberated by First Marines on the island of Guam from a prison camp. And um, and so we're a very patriotic uh, clan, uh, the Lux. Um, I come from a family of seven, five boys and two girls. I was, I was raised in a terrorist cell uh, of five boys. There was always something exploding, imploding, being blown up, being thrown, crashing, uh, you were getting tackled, beat up, pinched. Um, and so uh, I grew up in kind of a, a, a pretty intense uh, male culture growing up. But at 17, I was life of the party in my high school. And I had a burning bush moment with Christ to understand me. You have to understand a kid who was in bondage to alcohol and drugs, desperately crying out and telling Jesus one night, if you're real, I need to see you. Mm. In the back bedroom of my parents' house, and now with hindsight, I look back on it, and the Holy Spirit entered my room, took over control of my whole body, took control of my mind, cleansed me of my sin, told me who I was, and I have never looked back 36 years from that wow. moment. So to understand me, you have to understand that I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ that was so life-transforming um, that I have never, I have failed, but I've never wavered. That's powerful, man. I appreciate your vulnerability there. So, so let's let's kind of aim at your uh, ministry. So, you founded. What year did you found Every Man Ministries? In two thousand, okay. I was the CEO of a healthcare company that I had helped start up. Uh, it was on a huge accelerated hockey stick track, and God called me uh, to fire myself. I went to Sunday, heard a message from Pastor Rick. He said, you know what you need to do. You just got to get off your blessed assurance and do it. <laughs> and that, that was my trumpet call because I had been thinking about men and bang for the buck. And if we could reach the man, we could reach the family. And I, I had been thinking about it for two years. Then when Rick said those words, that was a prophetic call to my spirit. I stood up Monday, the next day I fired myself. Started Every Man Ministries. Man, that's so that's cool. Good. So, so I'm hearing your story. What was your, what was your why behind Every Man Ministries? Like, what is why does Every Man Ministries exist in your opinion? The pain, the, the pain. pain, pain. Well, you know, there's the pain that meant that broken male character and conduct causes when you see the suffering out there. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just let 27 million women walk around every day with a job called prostitutes? Am I, mm. am I supposed to look, look to try to help 142 million kids without dads in the world or let our metro urban cities just, just tunnel and descend into chaos and dysfunction because of fatherlessness? I just can't do that. Yeah, that's, I love it. I love it. So you, you, you have said that if we really want to change in our society— we have to take care of men, and we wholeheartedly agree with that. Why are the solutions we have now not working? And then my other thing is, the frustration that I have personally is, and, and if we see this as a need, and if we see this biblically as the father, if he gets it, everyone wins, why do church budgets typically not reflect the oh, biblical man. value of manhood? Did I just unleash a you really want to go here? 
Yeah, let's do it. Do you, what... you really want the answer? <laughs> because if there's any pastors listening, they are going to start feeling very, very, very uncomfortable. Well, the reason why <laughs> the reason why we need to reach and and transform men and make the church centers of masculine transformation is because that's the way Jesus said we defeat the gates of hell. When Jesus plants the church, he says, I'm going to change you from a pebble into a stone, and then I'm going to take hewn stones and form a rock, which is a foundation. He's going to take the hewn stones of 12 guys, put them next to each other, and build a house called the church on top of the backs of 12 men, 11 of whom give their life. And so when you talk about defeating evil in a community, you have to address the root cause of injustices which is the heart, character, and conduct of men. You know, I was at a justice forum of non-Christians, Muslims, atheists, and I'm listening to this lady talk about sex trafficking and another lady talk about the orphan epidemic, and then yours truly is number three in the batting order presenting, and I did the most politically incorrect thing. I said, you know how much I respect you, woman number one, and you know how much I respect you, woman number two, but I respectfully disagree with your solutions. Reactions to broken male conduct are not solutions. The solution is to do something that will change the heart of a man, which will change his behavior. And a weird thing happened in a, in a room full of non-Christians. It's the only standing ovation I've ever received because people, <laughs> people intuitively knew that what I was saying is the truth. All this political activism, all the spending of billions of dollars, these outside-in solutions, you have to go in and bring something that will change the heart of a man that changes the conduct of a man. And then you can start talking solution when it comes to these injustices that we see all over the world. And the only thing I know that changes the heart of a man successfully and transforms his mission is the gospel of Jesus. So that's number one. Okay, That's why we have to deal with the hearts of men. They're at the root of these injustices. Secondly, why is the church dedicating anemic financial budgets to <laughs> men's ministry. A, because pastors are insecure and they don't want strong communities of men analyzing them and looking in on what they're doing. Mm. Uh, and then secondly, pastors themselves uh, don't obey the words of Jesus. All right. Jesus said, come, follow me and I'll make you a fishers of men. What did Jesus do in John chapter one and two? He reached and recruited men. Yep. I don't know how any man reading the gospel plainly, can look at Jesus and say, oh, he, he went about building a church through building a great school. He went about building a church by recruiting women and children. No, Jesus reached, recruited, and related to men. He spent three years with 12 guys, and we're in a 20-century blast zone of how Jesus did it, but we got to do it like Jesus. He invited men. He invited them to imitate him. He imparted truth to them, and then he mobilized them to go reach people. If you're a pastor and you're listening and you're not doing that, I just wonder what gospel you're reading. Well, and I would add a third thing, Kenny, and this one is like very offensive, but I think a lot of the guys I see in the pastorate, when they were younger men in their college age and high school ages, they were effeminate and had no following at all, and they get in the church and men won't follow them, and so they go after the women. And I yes. think that's a, that's a sad reality, but our seminaries are equipping men who nobody ever followed, but now I've got a paper degree and that makes me a follow a leader of men. And I think that's a problem. You know, I call it, I, I call it the chickification of the church. 
<laughs> yeah, my wife found a book on her. She's a flight attendant. She found a book left on the back of a seat, and it was called the blankification of a, of men, but it was not that word. It was a much oh, more wow. graphic word. Oh, my and he, gosh. It was bad, and so she took a picture and sent it to me. Anyway, but you know, Jack Hayford said uh, in his book, Prayer is Invading the Impossible, he said, in almost every work of God— God starts with men. Now, you talked about Deborah, and that's a great example of a woman, but most, almost all the time, God oh, yeah. starts with men. So why why are we not addressing this? Now, I got to tell you something, man. You're my favorite chapter in your book. I mean, I was like sweating, chanting, scribbling all over it. I've got tons of notes. It was chapter six, when you tell the story that you just shared about being at this non-Christian justice conference, and yeah. I loved it and see even the even the even non-believers even even women even yes. people see the problem yes. but we had a west stafford on our podcast he uh, ran compassion international for 20 years we had kenny sacked on here who has got a ministry called wipe every tear both of them said if you fix men you fix 90 percent of the world's problems there we go Man, I thought wow. So 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 why why so why have we we tend to vilify men, which I get it, men are the problem, but how do we go about fixing men? Okay. So what you see out there is this attack on on male strength, okay? And what people are attacking are not is not male strength. They're attacking strength without compassion and character. That's oh. what they're responding. That's what they're responding to. And so we have guys with compassion and character who are warriors who are out there fighting the bad guys and they don't they don't complain about them. You know, yeah. what they complain about is men who have given have been given strength, stewardship of families, position, power, influence, finances, social networks, and they use that power and strength for themselves. That's what the reaction is to. That's toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, but what we're what the world is waiting for is strength that com that is combined with character and compassion and that's Jesus yeah it's the dangerous good man and the world is waiting for him but our churches have to become centers of dangerous good transformation by sharing the gospel to, with men putting money into reaching men and transforming men by making good men Jesus said make a tree good and its fruit will be good we got to make good disciples of Jesus well, in your book, uh, it's funny. I, I read the book and I start scribbling because I start thinking about our thoughts. And you talked about this toxic toxic masculinity. Is this alpha male, you know, right. mas macho thing, this machismo macho. thing? Right. But and I was thinking, well, yeah, but that's a problem. But also the jellyfish, spineless omega yeah. man. And your next paragraph right. was and the omega man. And so we're looking yeah. at this man in the middle somewhere that's right. committed to Jesus, that's assertive, that's compassionate, that's strong, yes. that's bold. Yes. And so um no, I really appreciate that section of your book. So so let me ask you this question, man. So dangerous good. I'm holding the book in my hand, you can see it. Why that title? Where did that come from? Because Jesus Christ takes masculinity to places cultural cultural masculinity cannot do, go. It's the place where good and danger intersect. That's why Jesus says in Mark 8, the man who seeks to save his life will lose it. But the man who loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find true life. That's why the Apostle Paul says, but you, man of God, 
fight the good fight of the faith. That's why he tells Roman Christians, the night's gone, the day is at hand, lay aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. You know, this is the place where we always wanted to be. And the ethos that every man listening to us can relate to is Batman, Superman, Iron Man. Who are they? They're guys who do justice, defend the weak, have special power, and stick it to evil. But <laughs> in our culture, um, we, we only engage that world in fantasy, and it goes from Marvel Comics, then it descends into porn and these, these unhealthy expressions of male strength. But we don't have to admire the ethos from afar. We can live it in Christ, the original dangerous good man. And so if you want to enter that life that you've always dreamed of when you were little and had the pajamas of Superman, <laughs> place your faith in Christ and start serving the king and watch what happens. Well, and I think the picture of men in the church is, if, and I've had my family members tell me this. Well, if I give my life to God or if I give my life to Christ, I'll become less of a man. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know where you got that program. Right. You'll become more gospel. of a man than you've ever been. In fact, you cannot become a – you will never reach your full potential as a man. You will never become your best version without radical commitment to Jesus right. Christ because he made you. Right. So, hey. That's, I, that's because they believe – they believe that – indulging and impressing and increasing is what a man is that sexual conquest financial success uh and visibility is the way to manhood but all of those quests create immature self-centered men who lack the one thing they need to do life right which is character yeah agreed so uh i i want you i want to show you something so i took your book and i wrote the word the dangerous good do you see right. that so that's yeah. the problem with being an author do i put the word the in there and so as i was reading the first couple pages yeah. i figured it out towards the end there but so i was thinking the dangerous good like this movement of men these men are yes. the dangerous good men right. but then you don't use the word the so it's throughout the book so explain the difference between those two groups dangerous good yeah. and the dangerous good yeah dangerous good is the ethos and the dangerous good is the community. So oh. the community of men, dangerous the, the dangerous good, because I do say that as I move into the book, what I want people to do when they see the title is to go, wow, that's counterintuitive. I wonder what that means. But then I draw them in, and after the chapter on identity, we talk about community. Yeah. And the spirit and the spirit of the rapscallion and the dangerous good fellowship, which is up to no bad. You know, yeah, and no, so uh, yeah. Uh, that that's the difference between the two. So you nailed it. It is exactly what you said, but is the ethos is wow. I want to be dangerous with goodness. Can those two go together? And then answer that, and then say wow. There's the dangerous good. And then in, throughout the book, I say and the dangerous good don't do this, or the dangerous good don't put up with that, or the dangerous good don't let another man be self defeating. You know, and so anyway, you hit it on the head. You nailed it. Well, I, yeah, because I was conflicted early on, I, and I then I go, oh, I get it. And so, no, I appreciate that. I did get sucked into your deception there. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, that and was that was very impressive. I, I don't I don't want to reach uh, that just the the committed. Yeah, I want to reach I want to reach a cultural man who goes, wow, yeah, I want to be dangerous with goodness. I want to care. I want to be strong. Strong strength and love are not mutually exclusive. I want to be that guy. And to draw him in, and as you notice the way I write, I'll draw him in to Christ as the model. Mm -hmm. 
and the world pretty much agrees with that, that Christ was the model. He's the guy who said, you know, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He is the intersection of love and strength. And so, you know, I want to reach, uh, as a movement book, I want to reach the committed, but I want to reach cultural man as well. Now, that's really good. Hey, Kenny, we're going to take a short, short break to hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Hey, Eldridge wrote a book, uh, Waking the Dead, and in that book, he uh, the book is based on a quote by St. Irenaeus, the glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah, fully and, alive. And right. your book, Dangerous Good, it, it has, uh, it, it feels almost like you're trying to wake up men as well. So you're trying to yeah. wake up these dead men, you're trying to wake up these slumbering men, that you're not targeting necessarily the men who get it, but you're targeting the men who we need to get it. And you wrote down on page eight of your book, it really really captured me early on. You said this, the man of God is not a spectator in God's kingdom. We call our men the men in the arena, and we tell them to get out of the anonymous bleachers and into the game. So can you walk me through that quote that the man of God is not a spectator in God's kingdom? Yeah. Um, well, if you're a son of the king, you're a part of a kingdom that has an active ruler and has is, is an active realm of activity. Um, you know, and in Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully and forceful men mm -hmm. lay hold of it. Okay, so when you think about the kingdom of God, it's like getting into a boat that is entering a class five rapid. You're advancing in something that's already advancing. It is going to take you by the neck and it is going to throw you around. Mm -hmm. It's going to mess you up. It's going to change the landscape. And so when Jesus is is talking to men in, in the Gospels. He's inviting them to uh, leave this, this life uh, that they know and enter this realm called the kingdom of God, hmm. and, um, which, which you're called to actively uh, participate. And if you're not actively participating in the kingdom of God, as a follower of Jesus, you'll get confused and feel small and feel uh, not empowered. But if you are saying yes to the king and entering his kingdom and finding out what are his purposes in his kingdom, am I working them out? And what is my part in the kingdom? You'll find out that there are no bench players in the kingdom. Everybody's a starter. Okay? 
and and that's the mentality that we're trying to break through. And and in a way, Jim, it's uh, very prophetic. This book, um, prophets were sent to the community of God in the Old Testament when sons of covenant started becoming like sons of culture. Mm. And you see that language, circumcise your hearts, you know, circumcise yourself. The prophets would come to the sons of covenant and call them out of culture and back to covenant. And that's what we're doing here. We're calling sons of the king out of culture and back into the kingdom to which they really belong and to get to work. There are no bench players in God's kingdom. I love it. I love it. Okay, so now let's talk to that guy. He's driving to work right now. He's listening to the podcast. He's been going to church for 10 or 12 years. He's 36 years old, kid's wife. He's like in the middle of a stress bubble, and he hears you say no bench players, and he hears us say get out of the game and get in the arena, and he hear, he reads that 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 you say there are no spectators. How does that flesh, and I know that we've got to spell this out for guys, but how does this flesh out in his life? What is his next step? Like, what does he do to, what does he physically do? What are some things that you that's can great. give him? Yeah, no, that's great. First thing is you say yes to Jesus Christ. You get on the team. Say yes to his offer of sins forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven. Say yes to Jesus. Then say yes to the family of God. Say yes to a group of dangerously good men who are pursuing a relationship with Christ and his purposes. And then third, go pick up that Bible, put your nose in it, and read it, simply apply it to your life, and do what it says, and do it in a community of other men, okay? Mm -hmm. And then, once you've gotten in with Christ and a group of other men, all right, work on your first circle kingdom call, which is your marriage, your family, uh, your moral life, your character, and then move from there to the next step, which is now, all right, I've come and I've said yes, I've come and saw, now I've come and committed, now it's time to come and die. Whatever that next step of challenging commitment is for you, because there's guys listening to us, Jim, who, who are, they're good guys, they have kind of a foundation, they attend church, but they are no threat to evil. Yeah. It's time to now step up your game and be God's man and with a group of men say, how are we going to confront evil in our lives and in our community? That's really good. So now one of the things that I'd like to throw in there is how do I serve those outside of my family circle? great i mean they've got to get in the game and to yep. be a, a, a danger to the enemy they need to get in the game and serve others around that's them. right yeah well there's two ways there's two ways one is is that connect to your church there's there's places to serve in your church you know that's what god 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 created works for you to do when he made you that only you can do so serve people through a ministry in your church but then what's great about the dangerous good movement is that all these dangerous good fellowships that are going to be spawned those fellowships need to partner with agencies in your community and give them muscle for their mission. So that is the story of Acts chapter 4, where these guys are like, what are we going to do with these guys? They performed a noteworthy miracle. What was the miracle? Helping people. And the whole city has, has heard of it. And so when we talk about the dangerous good movement, we're talking about fellowships of men forming around their identity in Christ, knowing him, and then going out— 
and then driving good works in that city, the city says, who's doing all these good works? These men who are spirit empowered. Yep. And yep. That's, the, that's the witness of kingdom rule. And people go, wow, if that's God, I want a part of it. Yeah. And they come to the Lord. That's so good, man. Hey, uh, along that same line, I want to quote you on page 25. Because when I read this quote, uh, I don't normally have to do this. But with your book, I had to do this a couple times. You got me thinking. Like, I couldn't just read. I had to stop and go, okay, what, what does that mean for me? And then you explained it. But you hooked me right at the first part. You said that that God that the key to every man is that we decide to do whatever God asks in advance of him asking. That's right. So to me, I was like, okay, what, what does now I got it. Don't I got it. But I, I love this. I love this because when we talk about protecting integrity, when we talk about obeying God, it really, it really does start with in advance. Can you explain that for our listeners, what that means to, to yeah, do whatever sure. you ask in advance of him asking? Yeah, that's right. That's why that's why David's called the man after God's own heart. He's the man after God's own heart, not because he's perfect, because he murdered somebody and he committed adultery, but he did what God asked him to do when he fell. And he circled back and he repented. And he did the, the next right thing. He came back to God. And so when God talks about David, how does he describe him? He says, I'm removing Saul, the selective obeyer of God, and I'm replacing him with David. I'm making him their king because he will do everything I ask him to do. God's saying that what makes him a man after God's own heart is that he's ready to do what God wants him to do in advance of God asking him to do it. And that's called faith. And that's what pleases God. So you have to decide who you are. Am I God's man or not? And then in that identity, I'm going to do when the moment comes, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And I'm committed to doing that in advance. And it's that's a better, a much better strategy than, well, in the moment under pressure, I'm going to see if I can feel my way through it. Yeah. Well, I had to yeah. stand up in front of our church on Sunday and really call the church out about our lack of volunteerism in the children's department. And I'm yeah. looking in the audience, seeing a sea of faces who've been fed the Bible for decades, but are doing nothing. And when I yeah. heard, when I read to do it in advance of God asking it, what I thought was, if I know the word of God, and we're asking men to know the word of God better than anyone else yep. in their family. If I know the word of God, I know what it says, so I can just go and do it. There are certain things I don't have to pray about. I don't have to pray about That's getting right. baptized. I don't have to pray That's about right. serving. I don't have to Come pray man. about stewardship. Right. I just need That's to right. do those things, and I pray along the way and figure out my specific niche, but we don't have to do that. We just need to obey God. And that's what I took out of it. I thought, you know what? I need to learn the word even better than I know it so I can obey God in advance. That's right. I, I mean, well, your I, people, we have people like that in our church too. They're, I yeah. think Christians misunderstand their mission. When you don't understand that you are alive today, placed in a certain community, and placed into a certain body of believers, you're put there intentionally by God because there's works that he created in advance for you to do in that church and in that community. So it's, I have a job. Yes, I have accessories. I have a family. I have a house. I have this life. But that's all accessories for the main purpose, mm -hmm. which is to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, advance the kingdom of God, and take territory and love people. 
Well, you know, it's really interesting, Kenny. So we've never actually had a conversation. We had one where I sat there and listened because I couldn't speak. I was sick. But, you know, it's interesting when you get dangerous good men in the same room. It doesn't matter where they're from. They have similar DNA because right. they've already answered the That's questions right. in advance and they've already right. obeyed in advance. That's and so right. we speak about and interact in similar ways. And you can spot. I had somebody tell me lately a while back, a couple, a couple days ago, you're judging me right now. Well, I know that you're using that word, but you're bearing no fruit in your life and you're saying you're Christian. So what is it? Are you a Christian or are you going to bear fruit? What's going on here? And but but and it's a struggle, right? Because a lot of times these men, as we're trying to pull them into this dangerous good, there is pushback. Jim, I'm glad you said um, that you're not bearing fruit. What is fruit? Fruit reflects the source. Banana tree makes bananas. Mango tree makes mangoes. All right, apple tree <laughs> makes apples. If you are a Christian, you reflect Christ. And Christ was dangerous with goodness. He loved God and loved people wherever he was. He didn't have to overthink it. He intuitively said, I'm in this setting. What's going to show love for God and people? And so when you talk to Christians who say, wow, I think you're, you're judging me. No, what they're sensing is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Because they're uh, you know, a banana tree that's not making bananas. They're a Christian <laughs> That is not reflecting the source, all right? And so you're, as Christians, we're purposed to be seen through doing good works and being involved in the work of God. That's, that is very clear uh, in the Bible. And Christ is going to push you in that direction and not let you. He loves you too much to, to leave you the way you are. That's true. And you were, you were the sandpaper of Christ in that conversation. <laughs> Well, I'm going to venture back to chapter six. This question will probably take you back there, but we talked about man fruit, dangerous good fruit versus male or boy fruit. And in your chapter yeah. on social injustice, yeah. you really hammered that. So what's the, what's the difference between the two fruit? Well, uh, the fruit of boy size character is immaturity relational incongruence. You're not grown up. You don't know how to do relationships right. And if you don't know how to do relationships right, you don't know how to do life right. Mm, yes. Self-gratification, <laughs> self-protection and defensiveness. And it shows, you know, that, that when you have boy fruit, it's a maturity question. You're emotionally immature. You're relationally immature. You're spiritually immature. And you have to put selfishness right next to the word immature yes you want what you want when you want it and in the form you want it and if you don't get that then you throw a temper tantrum or withdraw i mean it's like managing a toddler and you know you and i both know having talked to the wives of grown men they they have if they have three children they say they have a fourth child and his name is bill and i wear his <laughs> wedding ring and it's that's what that's the frustration is we have man-sized relationships, man-sized responsibilities, man-sized influence with boy-sized character bearing boy-sized fruit and that is confusing and frustrating to yeah. everyone connected to a grown-up man. And so that's where we need to uh to get that character which only comes from Christ and through the Holy Spirit where where we agree with Paul and we say, "Hey, when I was a child, 
I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I re- but when I became a man, and we use that word on this broadcast, it's a bad word in culture. Hmm. When I became a man, I put aside childish ways. That's the journey of maturity in Christ. And I have to confess, you know, I was a 25-year-old, 12-year-old hmm. in many respects. But God loves me too much to leave me the way I am. So he'll discipline me. Mm-hmm. He'll run me into a wall. He'll let me experience the consequences of that immature behavior uh, because when I, the pain of consequences exceeds my fear of changing, that's when I change. Yeah. So God's a good father. He'll discipline us. And so all of us are in that journey to maturity in Christ. And so we got to let God complete that work, but we got to grow up. Well, and in your book, in the, in the preface of your book, <clears throat> you talked about gravity, like gravity right. and pushing us down. And we have a society and we have a church culture in, in a lot of ways that pushes men down. And so our propensity, Kenny, even yours and even mine, is to yeah. backslide into selfish behavior. Yeah. So we have to keep living in a progressive sense, protecting, fighting, growing, you know, a daily thing. So what I'm hearing you say is that the difference between man fruit and male fruit is that men produce selfless fruit, that's males right. produce selfish fruit. Yeah, no, that's correct. Uh, a man has the capacity to say no to himself and yes to God and others. That's good. That's good. I, I should I should have said no to that last piece of string cheese at about ten o'clock last night. <laughs> <laughs> that is good, man. Hey, well, on page one hundred eight. You said something that really struck me because this goes along with the fruit. And and you, you use some phrases that I, I don't use in my common vernacular, and I love them because they're different and they stood out to me. And one of them is you said that men are lighteners. In other words, we lighten the load yes. of others. Yes. Can you walk me through yeah. that and that term that yeah. the, the the way you chose that word and used it yeah. in that chapter? Well, that's Jesus, number one. He calls himself a load lightener. Matthew he says, come 11. to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And take. Let, let me get under the yoke with you. Let me lighten your burden. That's what the men of Pentecost did in Acts chapter 6. They lightened the load of the Hebrew and Greek uh, widows. They bore the burden uh, of other people. Um, when you encounter the Son of God, he makes you feel light. He takes your burden. When you encounter sons of God, they should make you feel light. You should relieve pain and you should reduce loads. People should walk away from interactions with spirit-empowered men and go, man, that guy really was interested in me, and he was interested in unburdening me. Mm. The Bible says that we carry uh, one another's burden. So when we say, hey, how you doing? How about you follow that up with, hey, how you doing? Do you need anything? That and, is you fill the, and you fill the gap. Um, and that's the difference between men and boys. You know, It's one thing to say words. It's another thing to hang around for the answer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's really good. Do you good. need anything? You know, I've tried to teach my son, you know, just don't say, hey, how you doing? Ask people if they need something. And if they need something and you have the capacity to unburden them, unburden them. Well, when they leave you, are they thinking more about how cool you are or how awesome right. they are, right? Right. You're lightening right. an emotional load. And yeah. I was, I was thinking right. about mountain biking because I'm going on a ride this afternoon. Right. I know you yep. ride. Love it. And yep. I'm a big guy. And if I could lose yep. 20 pounds and lighten the load, baby, yeah. it makes it. Downhill's fun. Downhill's oh, yeah. fun when you're big. That's why but, we do it. But climbing uphill when you're my size is tough. So you got to yeah, lighten you're, the you're, load. You're in the Clydesdale division. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the Clydesdale division. <laughs> Keep going, baby. <laughs> you're, you're <up> there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but you're, but you're, that's, the bottom line is right is that. 
We're helping people climb. You said earlier when and you answered this, men get under. Men get under and put people right. on their shoulders. And That's so right. the joy of a man is saying, "Hey, man, that guy, that that guy, that child, that teenager, that 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 lady over there, that that wife right. of mine, look at where they are because well, not not boasting, but just reveling and and rejoicing in the fact that they are where they are because you sacrificed yourself and put them on your shoulders. Well, you know, um, I love the table discussion when the boys are having a meal with Jesus and he says, who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? And he says, yet I am among you as one who serves. And, you know, that that statement right there uh, is is the essence of impact. You know, when Jesus says, if they ask you to go one mile go to. And Oswald Chambers had it right. He said, Christianity isn't portrayed in the first mile of duty. It's portrayed in the second mile of service. When Even when you feel like you deserve to be served, mm. in the midst of injustice, you serve. Only courageous service and love advances the cause. That's what Jesus is saying. you know. And so that's, that's what the dangerous good movement is about. Yeah, there will be people who they, you, we deserve to stick it to them. Or there's going to be situations when we should be the ones who we feel like entitled and we should be served. But it's in the midst of those situations when we blow their freaking mind <laughs> and we serve them in the midst of injustice and love them in the midst of persecution where that courageous kind of supernatural, eternal uh, commitment blows their minds and they go, man, what is it about you? And so what we're talking about, Jim, is we're connecting masculinity again to eternity. Well, and that's when a man becomes dangerous. Yes. When he gets out of the game and gets in the arena, when he becomes known. I think there's a fear out there or a misconception that humility is being anonymous. And I would wholeheartedly disagree with that and say humility is being is saying, God, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to risk fear of failure. I'm going to risk uh, being looked at as an ass. I'm going to look, I'm going to risk my own time and my own resources. My dignity. Yeah. My dignity. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, God, put me on display, put yeah. me on display. Now, the key here, you know, in, the, in uh, Matthew 6, you know, for yours is the yeah. kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Again. So when you put me on display, God, I will give you yeah. the glory. I'm not right. going to take the glory, but I want to take the risk of humility. And our world says, whoa, 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 that man is the alpha male. That's the toxic male. And I'm saying, no, he's not because he's serving, he's giving, he's sacrificing, even though he's on display and known. That's right. Well, the context of the action is goodness, and that's why the dangerous good, when you're doing unequivocal good, um, the world sees that they're stupid if they criticize you. You know, when you make, when men, when dangerous good communities of men in cities and communities make suffering go down, the only people that offends is the evil people who want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, now, you got to help me here. There's a line in the Chronicles of Narnia describing Aslan Aslan yeah and it says he's 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 is he good is he good but I can't remember the line it reminded me of this book and actually you have a line on the cover and I'm wondering if it it came from that you remember that line yeah no it doesn't come from that but I remember when Lucy Pevensey in the Chronicles of Narnia asks Tumnus yes uh is he good and he says yes he's good but he's also very dangerous yes yes something like that so it doesn't come it doesn't come from that but 
um, you know, it's the lion and the lamb. Yes. You know, the lamb came and took care of sin. The lion is coming. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he's going to take no prisoners. And there's going to be, you know, stuff coming out of his eyeballs and the blood is going to run. <laughs> but um, right now he calls us uh, as sons of the king, as as brothers of the lion, you know, to to reflect him, to reflect the source. And what did Jesus do? Weaponized by the spirit. He was dangerous with goodness. I love that. We need to be weaponized. We need we as men we have Christ living in us. But we need to be weaponized. We need to activate that. We need to embrace yeah, well, listen, that through surrender. I, yeah, listen, Jim, in Luke 4 when Jesus says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's he's saying I am I am being weaponized right now to go be dangerous with goodness. To go set the captive free, to 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 Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the recovery of sight to the blind. You know, and then he, what does he do? He goes and he touches the ethnically unacceptable, the morally unacceptable, the physically unacceptable. He breaks the rules of broken male culture when compassion or God's word demands it. And so why do we have the spirit of God? We have the spirit of God to be like Jesus, who was weaponized to be dangerous with goodness. Well, yeah, on page 13, you said, when we watch Jesus live out his truest identity, we both see and sense a personal liberty and thought and action. We see Jesus regularly accept those deemed physically unacceptable, the lepers, yep, ethnically unacceptable, the Samaritans, morally unacceptable, the prostitutes, and socially unacceptable, the tax collectors, into his life and ministry. His identity in the Father allowed him to jettison the boundaries of self-absorption and of broken male culture and get into the lives of those who needed the grace and truth of God. Amen. So that is outstanding. Thank you so much for that. Now, in your book, you said you talked about the revolution, this dangerous good revolution. Yeah. It starts with men and not the church as a whole. Talk me through that. Well, I would I, I, I would mitigate that statement um, just a little bit because um, the church is 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 God's uh, is God's team to defeat evil. So when we talk about mm. the dangerous good revolution. We're talking about pastors who have a vision and who have a network of men who are helping them drive the vision and take territory in the communities in which they're planted. Okay, um, so the dangerous good are men of Christ in the body of Christ mobilized for the purposes of Christ in their communities. And so the church is the one that defeats the gates of hell and the agenda of hell. But what does it look like? It looks like uh, a man of God who has a vision from God, who has a network of men underneath him who then move it forward. So you have Moses and his network of men to take the people of God forward. Joshua and his officers of the people that move the people of God into the promised land. David and the vision from God uh, to uh, take territory and to build the temple and his network of men below him. And so when we think about the dangerous good, we're thinking of men who follow Christ, men who are connected to the body of Christ, and those men who are connected to Christ and are in the body of Christ are on the mission of Christ together, being dangerous with goodness, serving in the church, and serving the community in which they're planted. Yeah, and the mission of Christ means they're mobilized by Christ. Yes. And that's yes. Where I, what I took. I wasn't. I didn't take it as the church is not needed. I took it as... 
There are men in the church who have not been mobilized, who are not in the game. They're the anonymous, ah, yes. faceless, nameless men. And that's maybe right. that, that number may be in the high 50, 60, 80%. Oh, yeah, that's your bleacher guy. That's your bleacher guy. Yes, and people ask in me. Sleeping well, Giant, I have a chapter called The Bleacher Guy. You Where? So when you guys said uh, in Sleeping Giant, there's, oh. a, there's a chapter called Bleacher Guy. And he's affiliated, not activated. Yeah, he's wearing the colors. What, <laughs> that's right. He's Yeah, that's right. He's He's got the, he's got the soap on a rope. And he's got flying the colors. And if you asked him if he was a follower, he'd say yes. But he sits in the bleachers. And as soon as the pastor starts, okay, let's close in prayer, he said it for the door. He's a fan. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's, right. that's so good. Hey, one last question. We're all already out of time. Uh, one last question. So in my book, The Man Card, Pod, or the Man Card it, we list five characteristics separating men from boys. And everything we do with The Great Hunt for God is about these five things. So we believe a man is these five things. So here we go. Okay. Prote protecting integrity, yeah. fighting apathy, pursuing yeah. God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Of, of those five things, Kenny, which one resonates with you the most and why? Well, right now, what's relevant is the first, what is it, protecting? Integrity, fighting yeah, apathy, pursuing God fighting. passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Yeah, that's right. Um, man, Woo! those are all so strong. They're like pillars, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I think the one that resonates right now is fighting apathy. Yeah, yeah. Because when men, are, when men don't fight apathy, people suffer. You know, yeah. sympathy is not a substitute for action. Ooh, that's good. You know, and you see Jesus call people on the carpet for that. You know, we can be sympathetic. Oh, I'm so glad there's, I'm so sad there's all these women who are sexual slaves and two million little kids who are, who are sexually trafficked. Oh, I'm so sad about the orphan epidemic. I'm so sad about a woman being hit every 15 seconds while we've been doing this podcast. Well, guess what? Sympathy is not a substitute for action. That's why, you know, as a practical matter, you know, we're going to bring hundreds of guys to work with A21 and Christine Kane's organization. And we're marching against prostitution and sexual slavery in LA. Wow. But we're going to bring the biggest, uh, biggest number concentrated group of men because men are the problem mm -hmm. and so i would say fight apathy that that is so good and 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 in our society we applaud the men who don't we we dishonor the guys who do and i think there's it's, right. it's like climbing that mountain right the gravity's pushing down on that bike it's it's telling you you can't do it and men have to fight in our in our resources we have a the the five books are the the trailhead the climb the summit the descent and the trails end and that okay. climb is the the whole section on apathy so hey kenny uh so i've read your book i got a sneak peek the book releases july 23rd 3rd. i'm sorry july 3rd. 3rd july 3rd so how do we how do these guys get a hold of your book just go to everymanministries.com there's a little header there if yep. you're more of an amazon dude uh, it's the number one pre-order Christian on Amazon right now. Guys are really resonating with this message that we're talking about. Well, that's awesome, and I, I'm excited to see uh, your movement explode, and I'm excited to see uh, what God does through the dangerous good. And Amen. so thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Sure appreciate All right, it. Jim. You hey, got guys. it. Yep. Hey, thanks so much for getting here with us, guys, today, and listen to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do, but we want to help you in your battle. Here are three simple steps to encourage you on your world-changing vision and journey. The first thing is this, guys, enlist. Get 
the free stuff. We have a great app. It's free. Go subscribe to the Man Card Podcast if you haven't done so already and get engaged in our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. It's growing by the thousands monthly. Number two, guys, invest in becoming your best version. Go to Every Man Ministries. Pick up the Dangerous Good book. Get a hold of the curriculum. Get involved with the Great Hunt for God. Pick up our curriculum. Start a team. Invest in you becoming your best version. Become one of the Dangerous Good. And the third thing, guys, is change your world. Get out of the bleachers. Get into the game. Get involved in causes you care about. Give financially in causes you're passionate about. Serve in your community. Get involved in the local church. Because, guys, when a man gets it, Everyone, Everyone wins. wins. So join us and build an army of men in the arena who are becoming their best version and changing their world. Until next time, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be, be a man. man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.